and welcome to our podcast, Cracking Open a Cold Case, and Other Crimes. Not all of them will be cold cases, just to make that clear to the haters. To those trolls out there. Trying to catch us. Mm -hmm. Slipping. Um, Shout out to the royalty free song, Friday Friday Night. Friday Night. Uh, yeah, that was... By premiumbeats.com. So thank you for that royalty-free song. They personally gave it to us. (laughs) Um, okay, so... Welcome to our podcast. I am Allison, a.k.a. Sugar. And I am Caitlin. We are, uh, let's see. We are two young ladies who love true crime. And we want to wanted to make this podcast to make it a little bit more fun, a little bit more interesting, and not so sad, sad and disheartening. I so. mean, not that it's ever going to be inspirational. No, but we want to make it uh, not entertaining for the people who are spooked by everything. How's that? They yeah, can listen to it. I like that. The the people that love some R.L. Stein level of yes s- yes spookiness. We're not gonna give you nightmares. The Goosebumps movie is surprisingly good. It by is. the way, I watched it with my niece and nephews as we were driving. I think to St. George or home from St. George for a race. Did you say you watched it or you listened to it? I watched it and listened to it. I listened to it on the way up and watched it on the way down because I was in the front. <laughs> yeah. So you're. Pretty well versed. Yeah, it was. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was very surprised. Um, so we've cracked open some cold ones. They are Diet Lime Rickies from Dylan's out on Twelfth Street. Shout out to them for having ninety nine cent drinks all summer. Nope, it's just Lime Rickies. Okay, don't go there expecting <laughs> other drinks. Okay, Lime Rickies are just ninety nine cents. Sorry, Caitlin. All summer. Caitlin is fake news in a person form <laughs> um let's see what else do we need to tell them uh i was gonna say we should say our favorite goosebumps episodes but Ooh. there's no way i could remember all of no, them no i do remember one i think i was in like third or fourth grade and there was it was like a plant a killer plant and it was like really green and slimy that's all i really remember I wrote, there was one where there's gnomes that would come to come alive at night, mm. and when they were in the dark, I mean, yeah, so when they were in the dark, they were alive, and when they were in the daylight, they were just regular gnomes, and it was freaking spooky. I won't oh. give away the ending, because obviously you're going to check it out sometime. Right? I remember reading the books, like there was a piano in the attic, and just hands would play in the, at night. Uh... Okay. Yeah, oh, know. you mean like in the intro? No, it was a book, like the actual book. Oh. I never saw the video or the movie or TV show or whatever of it. You should... The intro is so good. The intro song has a dog barking in it. We should start watching those and do podcasts on those as well. We should basically just never say or do anything that's not podcasted. Yeah. I think that's going to be our new life goal. That's... It's like people who vlog everything. We're going to podcast everything. Yeah. Which is more enjoyable because I don't like watching vlogs. I get sick of looking at their faces. Well, also, how much can you, like, they just go to the store or something. Yeah. It's like, cool, I did that today as well. um, Or, but there are people who freaking, my brother was showing me, they just, like, 
vlog and they'll have like a pool party and just have all this free stuff people send them and they'll make tons of money oh we should do that if i hate not being rich for nothing Ugh. it's garbage it is i'm sick of working yeah but i'm not sick of podcasting so there's a plus she's got a zest for podcasting got a zest for life anytime sugar said are we casting oh yeah like, podcasting and i that just makes my day i've never actually said that i don't think mm-hmm. Well, I've never said, are we casting? Yeah, you did. Oh, don't pull up the proof. (laughs) All right. So, the case that we are going to be podcasting about tonight is the case of the Hi-Fi murders. They happened in Ogden, Utah, which is where we're from. Mm -hmm. And these, I've, I've never seen any other podcast on them unless they came up with some kind of interesting title that has nothing to do with the hi-fi shop but Shug, what happened when you told a crime podcast that they should talk about this oh my gosh that was an, an amazing transition uh so i added on twitter uh i sent she's twitter famous btw follow her at Shug underscore night that is at s-u-g underscore k-n-i G-H-T. Okay, first of all, I'm I'm Twitter famous by Caitlin standards only. Everyone else just uh, thinks I'm weird and a loser. <laughs> You're not a loser. Um, oh, okay. So I added uh, the podcast Sword and Scale. Sword and Scale. Oh, that's what they sound like. It's a very good podcast. They're very well researched. It is. It is. It is a very good one. But I added them that they should do it, and they were... They quoted me and we're like we've already we've done lots of other good ideas like we don't need your input girl but hmm. well they're lost and i put something back like this is pompous but okay like a jerk <laughs> like the jerk i am this is why she's twitter famous it's not i'm not twitter famous <laughs> i don't want anyone to think i have think i'm cool at all i just oh. have no other life i just don't exist offline is this really Sugar, or is this her Twitter through Siri? I'm actually a hologram. Oh! Like Tupac. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Okay, so... Oh, yeah, we got really off yeah, topic. Yeah, and that's okay, because we're just giving what the people want. They just love our... Our banter. You come yeah. for the crimes, but you stay for the banter. That's... Yeah, that's our tagline. That's really we love our one. our gorgeous speaking voices. <laughs> we have the most awful podcasting voices. At I least know. I do. I do too. I sound like a baby, but I have that's this fine. High pitch, like yeah, I'm a dolphin. Yeah, it's not your fault you were born a dolphin. <laughs> it's fine. Um, Just call me Flipper. <laughs> it's oh, okay. I thought uh, Flipper was like a seal. No, Flipper's a dolphin. Oh, okay, I'll stop. So Do we need to watch the movie Flipper? <laughs> we, like, stop. <laughs> Pause it. We're going to watch Flipper. That would be amazing. Okay. We don't have the budget for that. <laughs> we don't have any a budget for anything. Except for diet drinks. Well, yeah. Cold ones. Two bucks. We cold ones that. above all else. Ooh. That's a mantra. I like that. But let's get down to the murder brass tacks let's get down to the crime the true crime it's 
Um, this is not a cold case, just so you're not expecting that. So you haters out there, shut up and listen. We know there's some haters out there who <laughs> hate warm cases. Yeah. Just like, That solved. is gonna pop off. Yeah, move that. Caitlin's, uh, just... Okay, so we're gonna just jump into this. So, this was in Ogden, Utah. And it happened on April 22nd, 1974. Did I already say we're from Ogden? It's from where we are from? I'm not sure. But... In case you didn't know, this is about us. We're O-Town proud. Ogden raise us. Jesus, Jesus praise us. us. That is a song that Sugar and her cousins made up on YouTube. Some... <laughs> Not even my cousin made it up. This guy that my cousin brought on a vacation made it up, <laughs> and we just took it over. That's even better. Oh, God. Okay, so let's do some background of this case, like the people involved, before we jump into the actual crime. Yes, Kaylin. Good idea. Thank Very you. professional. Thank you, Allison. So, the three main perpetrators in this case are Del Pierre Selby, William Andrews, and Keith Roberts. So in this podcast, we're going to refer to Del Pierre Selby as just Pierre, and William Andrews as Andrews, and Keith Roberts as Roberts. We're just going to kind of give them little nicknames. Yeah, so we will make sure no one gets lost. We're here with you. We're here for you. Not with you. Both. We aren't laughing with you. We're laughing at you. Um, also, what makes us qualified to talk about this is Caitlin has read an entire book on this. It's called Victim by Gary Kinder, I believe. Really good book. Goes into a lot of detail. I highly recommend reading this. Reading the book if this is something you're interested in after this podcast. Um, I have read the Wikipedia page several times. <laughs> Um, and I tried to watch, there's a Lifetime movie on it. Oh, what's the movie called again? Oh, it was like, oh, well, shiz. we'll look it up. And I'll look it up. Keep talking. But so the Lifetime movie, I tried watching it and it was, um, I knew what was going to happen. So I was like too creeped out to keep watching it. Cause I, even I have my limits, which is surprising. I would say, um, but yeah, so read the book. Unless you love Lifetime Productions. Caitlin's just looking up the... Oh, you're looking up the movie on there. Well, I was going to see... The Legacy? Yep, Aftermath. A Test of Love. Okay, so look up Aftermath. Aftermath. A Test of Love. Mm -hmm. If you want to watch this movie of this. I'm pretty sure you won't. But you never know. Just in case. In case you're bored on a Friday night. Oh, oh, also, another sidebar to mention is that the guy affected by this, I'll, I'll shout him out during, just so you never forget, <laughs> he is my, my mom's OBGYN, so he delivered me into this world. Whoa. So I am special. You are special. You have personal ties to this case. And Caitlin might? Yeah, I was also birth. By another doctor by the last name Nesbitt, and they have to be related. Maybe a son, yeah, nephew. So we just have personal ties to this case because of our our city. Birth. Anyways, let's get started talking about 
the Hi-Fi Murders. So it happened April 22nd, 1974. Mm -mm. And Pierre, Andrews, and Roberts show up at the Hi-Fi shop before closing time. They showed up in two white vans. Um, police believe that there were six men associated with this crime, but only we only have like the details on those three. On three. Um, the Hi-Fi shop is located on Washington Boulevard. It's, not not anymore. It's no, not there. No, it's something else now. But it was kind of like a record store type place yeah. with record equipment, speakers. It wasn't like... VCRs. I don't know. What did they have in the 70s? I think right now it's probably like car stereo equipment. Yeah. So, but back then, cars didn't freaking bump the bass. Yeah. So it's just kind of like a, a stereo equipment type store. No, um, no. It was. It is now. It is now. Now, or back then it was records. There you go. Thanks, Shug. You're welcome. I'm here to Snopes this. You got this. Just call you Sugar Snopes. <laughs> That's what they call me. So there were two people working at the hi-fi shop around closing on April 22nd. And those two people were Stanley Walker, who was 20 years old, and Michelle Ansley, who was 18. And Michelle had only been at the hi-fi shop for about a week before this happened. Uh, so these two guys come in. So... Keith Roberts is waiting in the van outside, mm -hmm. and so the two men come in, Pierre and Andrews. Uh, so they come in, and they take they take the two workers hostage with their guns. Um, I don't know how we can comment on that, but yeah. So they came in, took them hostage, and we will go. From they there. were brandishing guns. They were. Love the word brandish. I really like that. It gives a good visual. They were brandishing firearms. I feel like, but I feel like if I hear the word brandish, I wouldn't guess what it meant accurately. No, So no. I like it even more for that. We like to show how pompous we are. Uh, that means supercilious or <laughs> what's the word? Condescending. Like, that's what we are. <laughs> So, also on that day, April 22nd, Courtney Nesbitt came into the hi-fi shop to, to thank Stanley Walker for allowing him to park in the hi-fi parking lot while he ran some errands. Courtney was a 16-year-old boy from Ogden, attended Ogden High, and he was friendly or friends with Stanley Walker. He was taking flying lessons as a random side, side note, mm -hmm. training to be a pilot. Which is pretty ambitious for a 16-year-old. I mean, I... Yeah. I'm trying to think of if I knew anyone who cared about anything at 16. Well, Remember those Roy kids that, like, had a plan to steal an airplane? No. They were in high school. What? That's a real thing. Well, what? Yeah, that was... That was in Roy. But, sorry. Well, Roy's the armpit of Utah. You can't <laughs> say that online. The people of Roy will... Sorry, Roy. ...revolt against you. Caitlin, if anyone heard that, <laughs> Caitlin is just trying is horny just, for drama. I just want to stir up some drama. So what happens when you're married. You have no drama. Yeah. She's trying to create enemies online and off. Good. Anyways, so <laughs> when Courtney entered the hi-fi shop, he was taken hostage as well by Pierre and Andrews. They were still brandishing the sh Fire those gun arms. guns, yeah. 
Uh, so then Stanley Walker's father comes in after him because uh, he didn't come home yet. Oh, also, this started taking place at about 6 p.m. because that was, or they came in, like, right before they were closing, and they closed at 6. Yep, so it's early evening. Um, Stanley hadn't come home yet from work. He didn't come home to dinner. So his father started to get a little bit worried and anxious. Okay, so his father is 43, and his name's Oren. Uh, and then Courtney's mom comes in after. I'm going to... She her name's Carol Nesbitt. She's the wife of my OB or not my OBGYN. <laughs> the guy who delivered me, who's responsible for my life. Just kidding, he's not that I don't know. Maybe. Whatevs. He just he did me a solid. How's that? <laughs> Court so by birthing you? Yeah, but he, he wasn't like, You're on your own to my mom. <laughs> So, Courtney's mother, Carol Nesbitt, I just want to make a side point also, that in the movie, they changed Courtney's name to Terry. Which is awful. Why would you change that? I don't know. Terry's kind of a funny name to me. I don't know why. Yeah, I have an aunt named Terry. A great aunt. My mom's aunt. Is that my great aunt? Would you definitively say Terry's a woman's name? Yeah. I would definitively say Courtney's a woman's name. I would too. No offense to anyone named Courtney. But you know what? Now we're in the, it's gender, it's, out there. it's everyone's equal, gender equality. You could name your, a boy, Britney Spears Johnson, and it's acceptable. Yeah. These days. It's true. We live in equality. Okay, nice. so, sorry I kept getting sidetracked, but his <laughs> mother comes in looking for him, and then they're, she's the fifth hostage, so they have the two workers, and then... Courtney, the random 16-year-old, and then Stanley's dad and his and Courtney's mom, Carol. Um, Pierre told Andrew to get something from the van, and so Andrews went out into the parking lot, and he came back. And once Andrews came back into the hi-fi shop, Pierre and Andrews orders Oren, which is Stanley's dad, to give some liquid to the other hostages. Andrews had gone and gotten a bottle of of liquid, and he had given it to Oren. He wanted them, all the hostages, to drink it. Oh, that was a struggle. I'm proud of you for getting through it. Oh, I'm struggling tonight. Caitlin, this is a lot of reading for her. Right? She doesn't know how to read, <laughs> nope. usually. Nope. Um, Oren refused to give the liquid to the other hostages. He didn't know what it was, and he just didn't want to be a part of that. And so, Oren gets bound and gagged, and he is left face down on the basement floor of the hi-fi shop. Okay, and then, so, <sighs> Pierre and Andrews forced the other hostages to drink the liquid, and they told them it's vodka laced with sleeping pills, which is not true. <laughs> no. Okay, so what he gave them was not vodka laced with sleeping pills, which actually would have been very nice at the time. Mm -hmm. The liquid turned out to be Drano. It was drain cleaner. And the moment it touched their lips, they, they got blisters all around their mouths, and it burned their tongues and throats, and it peeled away the flesh around their mouths. Uh, uh, okay, so according to Wikipedia, this is notable um, that Michelle Ansley kept begging for her life, but she was still forced to drink it, but she coughed less than the others. 
Yeah, so I don't know if she got more Drano or less Drano, but... That's just, Wikipedia yep, needed but, to give it to us, and we need to give it to you. Yep, so she coughed less. So, um, this Drano made all the hostages cough and, like, spit and just kind of gurgle. Like, they were trying to get it out of them. They were making a lot of noise. And Pierre and Andrews didn't want them to make noise. They were sick of their coughing, the screaming, they're trying to spit it out. So they attempted to duct tape their mouth shut so that they couldn't make any noise. But the tape wouldn't stick to their mouth because of the huge blisters and the flesh that was peeling away around their mouth. And so that they couldn't scream and couldn't get the Drano out. Mm-hmm. It served two purposes. Yep. Just, just side noting. Okay, so, but Something else is they got this idea to drink the Drano from a movie called Magnum Force. It's a Clint Eastwood thriller from 1973. And in the movie, a prostitute is forced to drink drain cleaner, and she dropped dead immediately. Uh, they, Pierre, Selby and Pierre said that they were looking for a unique way to kill people, but and wouldn't have tried that if they hadn't seen that movie apparently they were just watching it over and over again yeah they were binge watching it and they got this idea that this would be the perfect way to kill somebody because it'd be fast easy done but that obviously wasn't the case i mean um, that in hindsight that would have been nice if it had actually worked (laughs) oh definitely i would they i'm sure these hostages would rather have had that than any yep um we're just doing some dark foreshadowing Mm -hmm. Um, Oren Walker was the last to ha- was the last to drink the Drano, but instead of ingesting it, he allowed the Drano to drain out of his mouth, and he kind of imitated the screams, the coughing, and even the convulsions that he saw the other uh, hostages experience once the Drano was ingested. Um, Pierre became really upset that the deaths were taking too long, because they were so inconsiderate to not die instantly. I know. I hate when that happens. Right? Oh. Um, and so, because of his anger, because it was taking too long, he shot both Courtney and Carol Nesbitt in the back of the head. The shot killed Carol instantly, but Courtney survived. And then he shot at Oren, the guy who had just faked choking, and it missed him. Then he shot Stanley, which instantly killed Stanley, Oren's son. And then he shot at Oren again, and it just grazed the back of his head. It didn't kill him. And Pierre, being the upstanding citizen that he is, he took Michelle Ansley and brutally raped her for 30 minutes. And after he had raped her for 30 minutes, he allowed her to go to the bathroom while he watched and then dragged her back to the other hostages, threw her on the ground while she was still naked, and shot her in the back of the head as well, killing her instantly. Yeah, that one's... I'm kind of confused as to if they were in the same room. I think so. From what I remember of the book, Victim, by Gary Kinder, <laughs> they were all just, like, in a basement. And they were all kind of lined up in a row. Okay, so he just kind of went to a different corner. Yeah, he there. probably went to the corner, or might have even been right there. But, I mean, I don't know if... Oh, I guess because she went to the bathroom, so she left the lineup and then came back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, this is all happening in the same room in front of all the hostages, so everyone is seeing people get shot, people getting raped, things like that. I wonder how long it, this all took, because I don't think there's any 
definitive no, timeline. Because it just they just have like the time that they found him, mm-hmm. and not really like how long it took for this to occur. Can just. Orin was still alive after being shot at, so Pierre mounted him and tried to strangle him with a wire, but that didn't work. So I don't know if Orin was handcuffed or how he was bound and if he fought off Pierre or if Pierre wasn't strong enough. I'm not sure how that all worked. I don't think that he was handcuffed because where would they get the handcuffs? Yeah, but I don't know if his hands were tied around behind his back. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm not sure... How Orin managed to survive the strangulation. He's just... But he did. He's just a badass. He's just unstoppable. He really is. Who's who's a superhero that's undestructible? Is it Superman? Sure, yeah. I don't know things about superheroes. Me either. Sorry. But Henry Cavill... Cavill? Cavill, whatever, is a, is a babe. He plays Superman. Sh- shout out to Henry Cavill's body. Ooh-hoo-hoo. <laughs> Hey, you have a Superman sticker on your mirror. Don't tell anyone that. <laughs> it's of Henry K. Gosh. Um, but shout out to the movie I Capture the Castle. It's it's a, one of Henry's early works. I'm an aficionado of his early career. His body of work. <laughs> Not his regular body. <laughs> Just of his work. Yeah. Wink, 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 wink. Okay, so now we're going to give you guys kind of a disclaimer, a warning. This next part of the story is graphic, it's intense, it's disturbing. So, children, please do not listen to this. You probably shouldn't be listening to this anyway. Right. Unless it's with your parents. But even then. But anyways, (laughs) just we're warning you that this is going to become really graphic. Oh, he, I'll go for it. Go for it. Okay, so they... You traumatized the masses. That's what I do best. <laughs> so Pierre and Andrews inserted a ballpoint pen into Oren's ear, and then Pierre stomped on it until it punctured his eardrum, and then broke the pen broke and then exited the side of his throat. That's so awful. I, I remember... Oh, sorry. No, go. You go. So my mom read the book Victim when I was like in middle school and she like briefly told me about it and I was interested so I picked up the book and started reading it and I am still traumatized from reading this part of the story. It's so graphic. He stuck a ballpoint pen into his ear and stomped on it. I, no, I can't. That's just not something I could... I can't dwell on because it makes me like sick. Ill. Mm-hmm. Okay, but just want to know, Oren survived this. So up to this point, he survived being fed Drano, being shot at twice, and being choked with a wire. And then, did I say the pen part already? No, just say it. Even if I already said it, he deserves to get a shout out twice for that. Um. Yeah. So he's like indestructible. Yeah, he really is, because he had so much torture and torment, and he was able to survive all of it. So, yeah, I don't know that you would want to survive that. No. To remember. No. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing, or... I don't know. Yeah, it's too much bad memories. That's, like, what I always think when I watch true crime shows, is, like, 
I don't know that I would want to be alive with this memory. Yeah, because how can you folk, like go through life knowing that you saw a girl be brutally raped? You saw two people shot at, and you saw your son being murdered while you laid there helplessly. I mean, there was he couldn't stop it. I just don't know. That poor guy. Every, everyone in this story, I feel for it. It's awful. But after Pierre and Andrews did these things, they loaded up the truck with all the record equipment and whatever, and they left with the driver, Keith Roberts. And then three hours later, Orrin's wife and her their other son came looking for him, and they heard noises coming from the basement, uh, so they went down there and found him. Carol Nesbitt was rushed to the hospital but announced dead on arrival because she, she died from the gunshot to the head. Courtney was not expected to live, but sur survived with irreparable brain damage. He was released after 266 days in the hospital. Oh, that's awful. With his, uh, the irreparable da brain damage. I'm just repeating that because I had to cut it off when she was saying it before. Oh, Because yeah. I was teaching her a lesson that I control this. She is the head honcho. No, it just had to stop it because this <laughs> app is weird. That's okay. We're getting this. Um, Orin survived with mouth and chin chemical burns and ear damage, which makes sense because he got a freaking ballpoint pen shoved in his ear. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we can't. <laughs> to put it light, we're not surprised is what. <laughs> oh. Um, okay. How, how do we have friends? Interesting musing, Caitlin. Okay. <laughs> Hours after news of the crime got out into the public, police got an anonymous call from Hill Air Force Base, which is in Layton, Utah, where an employee said that months earlier, Andrews had bragged about how he was going to rob the hi-fi shop and kill anybody who got in the way. Which is the super weirdest thing ever. Like, do you ever look at a store I don't know that it's even super lucrative to sell uh records not yeah I'm not sure well the thing is Ogden and Layton are about 20 minutes apart and Layton now is a pretty big city there's a lot of shops and things like that and so I don't know why you would choose the hi-fi shop in Ogden Utah to rob that's so specific in such a weird place. I just don't know. What are you talking about? Ogden rules. I know, but I'm saying it's That's just a such weird a strange... Random spot? Yeah, like why would you go... Why wouldn't you rob a place in Layton somewhere closer? Mm, maybe they thought it would be like less traceable. I don't know. Yeah, it's just kind of weird. Like, I just don't understand. Apparently they planned a lot of things poorly since they did the whole... They counted on Drano. Yeah. From a Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah, they obviously weren't the brightest criminals. But also, why would you brag about that? Like, I'm going to go rob that shop and I'm going to kill anybody who gets in the way. I know. What's up, dude? Like, <laughs> your friends are all impressed. They're like, whoa. You're just you're a gonna badass. Come, you're going to murder somebody. Love, love to hang out with bros who are going to commit murder. Yeah, so that's just a strange thing to brag about. And also... A few hours after the news of the crime got out, two teens went dumpster diving near near Hill Air Force Base and found the wallets and purses of the victims, and those teens recognized them based on their pictures on their IDs. 
So they had seen it on the news, heard about it, went dumpster diving, found the stuff, recognized that these were the victims. Okay, so if you have a thorough plan, which apparently he knew he was going to do it months in advance, wouldn't you think of some way to, like, get rid of the stuff and not just put it in a nearby dumpster? Yeah, and if you were planning on killing people, you can take some... I don't know. I just don't know why you would... I feel like you'd only just take the money from the wallets and just leave the wallets at the scene. Oh, I guess we forgot to even mention this. But this whole thing is really racially... uh, Charged. Like, not racially charged by them, because it's like... But, like, in the media, they... Because Pierre and So... Or, not Pierre and Selby. Pierre and Andrews were black, and then all the victims were white. So it's really presented in a racially... Like, people try to get their sentences overturned and all this stuff, and... Um, even if you look at YouTube, the YouTube comments on the Lifetime movie, everyone's like, they just got the, like, the penalty they got because they're black and all this stuff. And even I read an article in, that was published in 2014 where the lady writing the article was like, two black men killed three white people. And it was like, that's really weird wording yeah. for this day and time. Yeah. But we're just putting it out there. Nothing that we're saying is... We're just doing the facts. We're not... <laughs> Kaylin, I don't think it sounded like we were saying, like... Okay. That we're, that we're doing a hate crime. <laughs> I don't think it was that, because obviously no. they didn't know who was in there. No. Well, I don't... Yeah. Or we'll, the... we'll just get into it for the trial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll present the facts. Because that's what we do. Okay, so back to the the story... The detective comes to the base. Well, a detective. I don't know why I referred to him as the detective. Uh, And he was pulling the evidence out of the dumpster. And he was putting on a dramatic show. Because all the the guys from the base were there. He was putting on a show and, like, noticing the entire crowd. As some kind of tactic. I don't know what the... Yeah, I don't know. What the police are up to. But he noticed that everyone was just kind of watching in silence, calmly... Except for Pierre and Andrews, who were pacing around and speaking loudly and making all these hand gestures. I don't know if it was, like, to try and distract people, other people. Yeah, I don't know why they did that. I don't know the point of that. Or maybe they're just so nervous that they're like, uh, ooh, uh, hey, hey, oh, uh, you know. They're obviously terrible criminals. Well, yeah. Like, gosh. Um, so, after this little press conference thing, not really... Uh, we'll call it an impromptu uh, amateur press conference. Yeah, I like that. After that happened, Pierre and Andrews were arrested on suspicion of the committing these crimes, these murders. Um, their barracks, Barack, not their barracks, their Obamas. Their Obamas got uh, searched. Got their <laughs> barracks got searched. And there were flyers for the hi-fi shop and a rental contract for a storage unit. So the police got that information and showed up to the storage unit, and they found equipment from the hi-fi shop, and which was identified by serial numbers. And they also found a half a bottle of Drano in the storage unit. So kind of makes them look pretty suspicious that this contract was in their housing, and they show up, and it's all the stolen goods and Drano. I just want to say I only know the word barracks because of the movie Cadet Kelly starring Hilary Duff and Christy Carlson Romano. I forgot 
forgot about her. She just had a baby, according to the on-demand menu oh, for really? Comcast. It was like, it just came up randomly. Huh. She always reminded me of Anne Hathaway. Um, how? I don't know. The thespians? Yeah. <laughs> no, they just kind of look similar. Uh, okay. Okay, you freaking amateur. <laughs> Anyways, um, Pierre and Andrews were charged with first-degree murder and aggravated robbery. <laughs> and Keith Roberts was charged with armed robbery because he was in the car. He was a part of the the robbing. He claimed he didn't know about the killing. Yeah, he was just in on the plot to... I started rob, laughing because you were just like, they got charged with armed battery. Like, like yelling hell. at the... Yeah. This is serious stuff. Caitlin loves when people get their just desserts. Yeah. Ooh. What you gonna do with all of that dessert? Has a song. Doop dop. Is that a real song? Yeah. I don't Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. Now let's talk about the trial. Okay, so Pierre and Andrews were tried jointly for the first degree murder and robbery. Oh, also, uh, um, a sidebar note, notable JSYK, <laughs> Pierre and Andrews, so Pierre was 21 and Andrews was 19. So they were little babies. We are, me and Caitlin are both in our mid-20s. Mid Caitlin, to late 20s. Yeah, Caitlin's almost 20, just kidding, I won't tell yeah. you. Yeah. She's protecting your age like a lady. I'm a classy lady. But, so, they're basically tiny babies to us. Uh, that had some kind of weird childhoods, probably. Oh, yeah. We don't really have a lot of info on that. Um, both men were convicted and sentenced to death. And during the trial, it was revealed that Pierre and Andrews had robbed the store with the intention of killing killing anybody they came across. Which we mentioned a the, little bit earlier, but that came out in the trial as well. And also, in the trial, the Magnum Force thing came up with the Drano that they decided to be super efficient because of Clint Eastwood, the scientist. Love Clint Eastwood. <laughs> I yeah. do. Well, oh, really? Yeah. His son is way good looking. I think they have like a strained relationship though, don't they? I don't know. Let's look into it. Okay. But anyways. Okay, so they robbed the store. They were looking for a way. Oh, oh. Keith Roberts. We need to say Keith Roberts. So Keith Roberts. Oh, I think we kind of skipped. Got a little janky there. Please forgive us. Okay, so, as I was saying, they were trying to murder quietly and cleanly, and that's why they tried to kill them with the Drano from the Clint Eastwood movie. Uh, okay, and Keith Roberts was convicted of robbery and went to prison and was paroled in 1987. And I found an article that was like, he's thriving and having ki had kids. It's from 1987, so he could have gone downhill since then, but... That's true, but at that point, he was doing great. Um, Oren Walker was a star witness, and Courtney could not testify because of the amnesia suffered from the brain damage by getting shot in the back of the head, but his dad, Byron Nesbitt, testified on behalf of his son. That's the guy that birthed me, brought me into this world. Shout out for giving sugar life. Byron, I, yeah, um, also we were gonna say Clint Eastwood, Caitlin was shouting out his son, because he's a pervert. Whatever, he's way good looking. He is, but I swear I heard that they're, like, estranged or something. Let me look it up. Okay. 
he, but I'm all Eastwood relationships. Eastwood, Clint Eastwood. Do you have how long Courtney lived? Um, yeah, let's see. I'm pretty sure Orrin lived to be 69. Is that incorrect? Yep, he lived to 69. And you don't forget a number like that. <laughs> Courtney died at the age of 44 on June 4th, 2002. Um, Courtney was not able to go to school. He finished his high school career and graduated with his class in 1976, but he was forced to drop out of college because he could not hold down a job. He had to apply for social security assistance, but he got married on November 15th, 1985, where he, and he suffered chronic pain for the rest of his life and died at age 44. And Okay, and then do, does it say how Oren died? Oren... No, but just said Oren died at the age of 69 on February 13th, 2000. Okay, I've got, I'm sorry, I've got an update that Clint Eastwood and his son Scott do not have an estranged relationship. Um, Thanks. He, he actually, in this mirror.co.uk article, he's actually thanking him for refusing to help him become an actor because it helped him build character. Oh, that was good. I'm glad that they are... Friends. Shout out to healthy father son relationships. Yeah. We love them. We do. So now that we've talked about the trial, let's kind of talk about the aftermath of what happened. So, like Sugar mentioned earlier, the whole trial and the whole conviction and stuff kind of was racially charged. There was some tension. And um, after the conviction and the sent the sent death sentences, the NAACP and Amnesty International campaigned to commute Pierre and Andrew's death sentences. The NAACP demanded that their death sentences I can't talk, should be revoked because of racial bias at the trial. They noted that the defendants were both black and the victims and jury were all white. According to Amnesty International, the sole black member of the jury pool was stricken by the prosecution during jury selection. Andrews also accused the judicial, judicial system of racism. Um, he claimed that he had never intended to kill anybody, but... What? Yeah. Why would that matter? Right? I don't know. But this is later rebutted when detectives cited a statement which he told his friend at the base. Um, yeah. That he told them that he was going to do. Yeah. So I don't know why that has anything to do with being racist. But uh, that's, that's, I don't just know. That's just what it says right here. A lot of the buzz. Um, what else? Okay. So this left a, a legacy. It did. So... At the FBI Academy at Quantico, Virginia, which is a real place, not just a place for a TV show, um, the FBI trainees are taught about this case. It's included as a sample case in the FBI's crime classification manual. So this has such an impact on the nation that the FBI is using it to train its agents. Frick. So, sword and skill, you missed out. 
Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So we haven't seen any other podcasts on this. And I would guess that it's because it's pretty open and shut and mm-hmm. there's no real pursuit. Because uh, I listen to a lot of stuff where it's like a super mystery where they have to go through all these cycles. Yeah. And it's kind of like, well, we don't know who did it. Yeah. And then, oh, also another notable thing is that Pierre was really like the brains behind it. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? And Andrews was just kind of the bitch boy. Yeah. We just kind of followed it and did whatever Pierre told him. Um, yeah, Pierre. <laughs> yeah, I like that they just both were like... These always these weird cases come up like a surprising amount of times when they're like planning something messed up and they're just like, yeah, let's do it together, bro. Like neither of them is like, this is pretty weird. Yeah. This is pretty questionable. Right. Um, apparently Pierre and Andrews were hated prisoners at Utah State Prison. And even the other inmates on death row hated them. So even these other murderers thought these guys were pieces of crap. They, so, let's see, Pierre was executed in 1989, is that right? And then Andrews was in 1992? Mm-hmm. I've, I've got Pierre this on lock. Pierre was 1987. Shoot. You're close, though. 1987. Okay, so that is exactly 30 years ago. Yep. That is crazy. Yeah. So... I don't know. This case has always been really interesting to me just by reading that book and kind of growing up in Ogden and knowing some Nesbits and knowing the area and just that something this horrific happened in our hometown is kind of... Yeah, it's definitely a sad story and we're not trying to make it funny. We're just adding some zhuzh. Yeah. So if you're interested in learning more details about this, like details on the victims, who they were, things like that. Please read Victim by Gary Kinder. It's a good book. It is graphic, but it's Yeah, don't read it if you can't handle graphic stuff. We're going to just issue the warning on Gary Kinder's behalf. Yes. yes. Even though he's not paying us. He should, though. He should. Okay, well. Thank you for listening. If you made it through this whole thing. We salute you. (laughs) We'll crack open a cold one for you. What? I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah, thanks for listening. And tell your friends, unless you hate us, don't tell them anything negative. And we will be back with a new podcast in a little bit. So keep a lookout. Thanks, guys. Okay. Bye. Love you.